Welcome to another episode of Playing with Research and Health and Physical Education. Uh, today we continue on the whole school model, um, discussing it very similar to what um, Aaron Santeo's podcast was about, and also continuing this trend of highlighting some of our very recent uh, graduates like uh, Gabby McLaughlin from Iowa State University. Hi, we're here with Dr. Gabby McLaughlin. She just uh, recently got her PhD from the University of Illinois, Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and is now completing a postdoc at Iowa State University. Um, can you give us a bit of a background on uh, what you're doing at Iowa State right now? Sure, I am in the Department of Kinesiology, which is in the College of uh, Human Sciences. My roles are multifaceted. Um, the main project is the one that I'm going to talk about today, but I also work with a couple of people from you know around the country and also internationally on activity measurement work. Um, we also have a fitness gram initiative where we help PE teachers better use software and helping them with data coaching as well. And then um, again, we have a couple of other projects going on that are internal and we also support some of our graduate students and, and undergraduates. So I'm getting to work um, in another lab setting that was very different to my experiences at Illinois. So I'm learning a lot and uh, I'm enjoying it very much. Cool. So lots of different things. Um, so today uh, we're chatting about the SWITCH program that's run out of Iowa State University. Um, and this is a great continuation from one of the conversations we had during Aaron Santeo's podcast, uh, which kind of talked about similar topics. So can you start off and just give us a brief summary of uh, what the switch program is. Uh, I mean, just have a catchy line in there, helping children to switch what they do, view, and chew. So can you just give us a little bit of a background on that? Yeah, um, I can't take credit for any of the naming. So it was it was switch with like no capital letters at first, and that was essentially switch what you do, do, chew. And then in terms of a rebranding, that occurred back in 2015 when um, one of our collaborators, Fridula Vazu, came up with kind of a, kind of similar to the catch, so it was it was school wellness and duration targeting child health, and so it has like this double entendre where we have you know um, this wellness and duration, the way we help schools build capacity so that they can enhance their own programming and policy to then ultimately impact student health behaviors. Um, so it wasn't an acronym, and then a few years ago it became an acronym because it just kind of seems to fit really well. And can you say again, what, what is the SWITCH acronym? What is it specifically? School Wellness Integration Targeting Child Health. All right. So we know that there's an original SWITCH program. Um, and I know there's some papers published in 2015 about it and BMC Obesity and BMC uh, Medicine. So can you give us an overview of what, was, uh, what that was and what the researchers found in that original project? Um, so we found that obviously schools that were better engaged, they yielded better outcomes in their students, such as increased activity, improved nutrition behaviors, and decreased screen time. Um, and we really only studied that at the child level. And the whole point of this, this sort of new phase of implementation is to study how schools gain capacity to do that. So taking what was, you know, an obesity prevention program and making it much more of a capacity building program for schools as well. Great. So you're now transitioning into this dissemination model. 
um, meaning that the curriculum is being refined to be able to be distributed to more of a broader audience. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that we try to focus on less of a curriculum and more of a, um, a comprehensive resource set of resources because we, in order to disseminate to more schools, we need to understand. And from a teacher's perspective, you and I both know that what works for one school does not work for the other. So we really don't push the idea of a set curriculum. We push the idea of these are the resources that we have. These are the modules that we've made for you in terms of the PE setting, the lunchroom, the classroom. But it's up to you to use what you think is best for your school. If you don't follow this to the absolute T, we want to know about it. Okay, we measure that as in our implementation measures. So um, in terms of disseminating this, the, the main change that we've used to disseminate the grant is the project is through our USDA NEPA grant. And uh, those grants are composed of research, extension, education. So they, they want you to have those integrated pieces. And so we've actually brought in extension into the framework. Um, and so being at a land grant university, the beauty of that is that we have this team of people who are paid to translate research to practice. It's like a dream come true. And so part of our grant now funds extension. So since 2017, so the last cycle of switching and now this cycle, um, I work closely with our extension partners to really understand how best we can access these schools. And they've been really key in recruiting our schools for this cycle. Um, so it's really nice to have that practical side of it where, you know, sometimes your head can get like full of the research side of it and you have to understand like this isn't going to work unless we do X, Y, Z. So in terms of examination, that's been the biggest thing is working with extension to really empower them and really empower our local extension staff to lead and support our schools. And that's really, you know, our, our team at Iowa State and all over, they can't, we can't be there with the schools all the time. And so in terms of dissemination, we want to empower others to help support the schools as well during implementation. Um, so I, I say that the curriculum, the key facets of the curriculum haven't changed that much, but we've definitely broadened and made our lessons more flexible and, and really made it so that we're giving resources and not just like this 12 week box curriculum, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that looking at, you know, all the different factors of what equipment's available and the culture of the school and the you know breakdown of the students and the socioeconomic status there's so many different factors that go into it that you can't do a one-size-fits-all so i love the autonomy that you give and so you're now in a model that's you're going to train schools to be able to really implement um this re you know this new model um can you explain what you're doing with that yeah so um, in fact, it's a good time because we've just finished finalizing our modules. So they, the schools, essentially, we ask that when they sign up, they are tasked with assigning a core team. And that core team is three people from that school who are going to be those change agents. And it's not just falling on one person, although sometimes one person takes the lead in communication. And we really encourage and emphasize the importance of a diverse core team. So not just getting, you know, your fourth and fifth grade teachers, but getting the lunchroom staff involved, the admin, the PE teachers, everyone who really is going to come into contact with that intervention and, and really be asked and, and supported to use these materials. We want that representation in the core team. And so what they do is they send some information, you know, we get all the forms sorted out. And then this last week and then this coming week, um, our team is giving them a training, a pre-conference webinar. So these are things to expect. These are the things that we want you guys to be getting done now in this semester. You know, get support for your administration. We pay their substitution teachers 
Um, so they get a whole day to come to the convention and we, we, we pay for their gas and hotels if they're coming from far away enough. And um, we really want them to come to this in-person conference through. We actually take our teachers, our core teams, through some of the PE activities, some of the classroom brain breaks and the, the active learning lessons that we built for them. And the really cool thing is when we have meals like breakfast and lunch, we actually model the smarter, lunch, smarter lunchrooms movement with our conference attendees. So things, really simple concepts that are built from the smarter lunchroom, such as putting your you know, plain milk in front of a cup of milk, putting fruit and vegetables by a cashier so that you can pick one up when you, before you check out, and really kind of emphasizing and promoting healthy nutrition behaviors. So they have to experience that, and then they, we talk about it after, and they really can get to see those linkages and see how simple it can be. So really just having that experiential learning for them so that they aren't like sitting in a convention center watching a PowerPoint. It's more about experiencing it. Um, schools complete the School Wellness Environment Profile. It's called the SWEP, which essentially assesses how well your school is prepared for this intervention. So, you know, do you have clean access to um, to water for your students? Do you have a wellness policy? Do you have, you know, all these different things in place that we essentially um, assess? And then from there, we break it down. We say, this is your report. These are the strengths of your school and these are the weaknesses. And so we use data from their school environment to help drive what main areas they wish to focus on. And so they can target, so let's say, for example, they have um, a really small space for recess. What can we help them strategize and do to enhance recess activity? What can we do in terms of indoor recess? And you know, there's just key areas of that school environment because they can't change everything and that's just too daunting for them. So again, having that more uh, individualized approach really helps them to see like, okay, well, these are our three main, like we've got to work on these areas and the rest is a bonus, you know? So that's kind of what we do with those in the fall. Um, and it's really ongoing until they hit implementation and then it's more about rolling out, getting the students excited, and then it becomes implementation. So it's kind of like this training implementation cycle that we have um, built in there. So what does this model look like in a day-to-day setting? If I were to walk into one of these schools that's running the switch implementation program, like what does it look like? Does it look like a different school? Well, that's a great question. I think that it really depends on how well the school's invested. You could walk into a school that we call like a high implementation school. You can walk into a school that's kind of on the lower end, they're kind of having a hard time getting started. And so what we want to see in terms of a high implemented school is this consistent messaging about switch. And so, you know, whether it's, uh, we have cycles of do, view, chew, right? So like the first two weeks are all about movement, all about activity and then it changes to the next two weeks, so weeks three and four, that's view week. So essentially trying to think about how do I minimize sedentary time and minimize screen time and get more active with the context of now we can put this extra influence in there of screen time and you know um, things that we do that are not that great for us and how can we change those behaviors. And then that's followed by two weeks of chew. So the lunch, lunchroom, um, nutrition behavior promotion. And so depending on what week that is, yeah, we give them posters. So um, if it's do, view, or chew week, we have fun facts and trivia that we give them on our online community of practice, which is a whole separate network that we have teachers engage with each other. And we post regularly on that to really kind of give them new ideas and insights. So whatever we do that week, um, the fun fact that we could be, you know, did you know that the longest, um, longest vegetable was X number of centimeters long? Or um, did you know that our bodies are, 
85% water. So just things like that that really get students thinking about it and then promoting that systems change, that culture of wellness. So we want high visibility in the school. We want you know staff wearing our t-shirts. We want students talking and, and engaging this dialogue and this that really stems from teachers taking initiative and using our modules in their lessons. And so if you walk into a switch classroom, we really want to see lots of movement, but also the reinforcing of the key concepts. And so there's certain lessons that we put into the classroom um, that infuse nutrition concepts in there. So talking about um, healthy eating, but also making it really fun and full of movement as well. And then in the PE setting, that's really a place where it supports what's happening in the classroom. So let's say it's, um, let's say it's chew week and there's a game called coconuts where it's, you know, you've got different teams at their hula hoops and you've got to try and get as many bean bags into your hula hoop as possible. Instead of using, you know, just one color bean bag, we could use all the different colors of my plate. And so the goal is then for students to get um, a balanced my plate in, in two minutes. And that in that way, we're trying to change lessons that we already know, but really making it so that teachers can make those really simple changes and making it so that we're consistently giving that message across of do you chew. And so um, we're really hoping that teachers take on these lessons in a way that blends into their curriculum, does not impe impeach on their curriculum, but it also supports what they're trying to do in terms of wellness promotion. Um, and then in terms of lunchroom, some of those concepts we'd like schools to be doing, we give lunchroom posters, right? So they have lunchroom trivia, they have questions to ask students, they have fruits and vegetables tasting that we try and make, um, try and encourage them to do. They have um, potentially someone comes in and talks about different healthy eating behaviours. Maybe it's the extension staff member that's there to support them that day. But we really want this kind of culture of wellness infused in the school because it's really the environment that drives that student's behaviour. Um, unfortunately, no matter how much knowledge we give them, they aren't going to always change that behaviour unless the environment suits that change. And so we really want to make sure that we aren't forcing these changes on them, but we're more facilitating those changes, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it it, it seems like you have, like, you're giving them all the tools to succeed. And it depends on the champions at that school, if they are high implementation school or not. and. As I understand, last year, so in 2017, you had an evaluation of this project. And can you give us an overview of what you what happened? What what did you find? Yeah, so um, I'll just quickly talk about the key implementation measures because we assess implementation using a checkpoint survey, and we give that to core teams at week um, three, six, nine, and twelve. And so that assesses how many times they used the modules. Um, how many times they use activity breaks, how many times they actually had students track their behavior online in the classroom setting, which is where we asked them to do that. Um, how often do they change the fun facts and the posters? How often did they um, engage with parents? And how often did they meet as a core team? Um, and so those items, we score those on a scale of um, waltz. It was um, on frequency, and so we generate a mean score, a composite score off of that, and that is our measure for implantation at the school level. And then for the child level, we look at their tracking percentages for each week of switch. So each of those 12 weeks, they're tracking their behavior. So if it's a due week, they're tracking activity. If it's view, it's minutes of screen time. And if it's chew, it's how many fruits and vegetables do you eat? We're less concerned about them being accurate and honest in those 12 week, in that 12 week period, because we know that sometimes it's really hard to estimate your activity. I don't know how much activity I get in a day, but just the act of monitoring your behavior and setting goals is really what we're interested in. 
And so we noticed a really interesting time by um, implementation effects such that the students with the higher trackers, by the end of switch, by the beginning of switch, they weren't that much different. But by the end of switch, there was a really significant increase in their activity. And it was over five minutes. And that's five minutes per day, which is really useful for us to think about that as, you know, it could be something simple as walking to school or as simple as playing extra game with your parents or siblings in the, in the uh, garden. So that was a real win for us, especially because we're not actually, we're not really intervening with them in particular. It's the school level and that's trickling down into the students. You know, we can teach kids these skills, these skills that we use when we look onto, you know, our Fitbit or we look at like MyFitnessPal, we track our behaviors. It shows that, you know, if we give students age appropriate tools, they can use it and they can still benefit from, from this implementation effect. So that was really cool for us to see. So did this program have success and, um, you know, did it work when the program was left to the schools to start implementing? Well, I think that, I think success is defined very broadly, isn't it? So I think that on many levels it did have success. I think that on the whole, there are certain things we can improve upon. But if we look, if we look at some of the really hard outcomes, you know, did students engage in more activity? Did they report more activity? That's a yes. And did we see increased capacity through the SWEP tool in schools? We did see that. So we're seeing that schools are becoming more and more prepared to deliver these programs. Um, and in terms of leaving the program to the schools, they were kind of on their own from the beginning. So we can't say for sure if, if you know, when we intervened and we're really involved with the teachers and kids on, on site in the school building and then we left, did it work? Because we never really intentionally set it up that way. We felt like if we did that, then it would be even more difficult for the schools to thrive on their own. So from the beginning, it was very much, these are our resources. These are the things that we want to help you with. And these are the goals that we expect that you're going to accomplish. Um, and these are, the, these are the evaluation pieces. And the day, like they see it as a practical intervention right they don't they don't really care about the research but we tell them in order to increase our funding and to really support you better we need to know how it works and so they're really really sort of open to those calls that we have with them and the surveys and the different pieces they sent us so i think that from the get-go you know we can't say for sure that it worked better when we left it to them but it worked overall in terms of us giving them that autonomy and freedom so i would say it's doing really well and we're, we're always improving i think that one thing that we want to make sure we do this year more intentionally is saying to them towards that end when we have our final sort of checkpoint calls is saying, okay, so you've got all these programs that have started and you've improved these areas of the school and that's great, but what about your policy? Because unfortunately, if some of these teachers leave and that turnover happens in the school, <clears throat> those programs might die. But the policy itself, if the school really adheres to its wellness policy and its programs, those programs will live on. And so we really want to make sure, make sure that they understand that this, while some schools, and I, I say school, I mean a lot of schools don't really know they have a wellness policy, we want to make it very intentional that this is really the main outcome to ensure that they can keep this program going and that they can keep infusing it. Because let's say one teacher starts a running club, um, but in their policy, there's nothing about having any kind of stretch activity breaks before or after school. And that teacher might leave or well, then who's going to keep that going if there's anyone really telling them that it's important to do that and we don't really want to be forced to do it it's up to them it's really we want to empower them but if there's a thing really driving that already saying like this is what we did before and this is what we're going to do from now on this is our collective buy-in we are committed to this 
then we have an issue, right? So I think that one of the things that we want um, schools to do is really make that move to start putting these programs into policy and that would hopefully help them sustain them more. So I think that was pretty much our main piece. Yeah, so basically the future steps are to continue working with schools, teaching those schools how to work more more in the policy piece as well and not just implementing with the people who are currently there, really changing the structure of the of the school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the other key changes, you know, in 2017-18, so this last year just gone, we had about 25 schools and then now we have 50. And they are across, I think, 40 of the 99 counties in Iowa. I never knew there was 99 counties. but And so now we are having to depend even more on our extension staff. And so now what we've been doing is we've been training them, a uh, separate training, before we even bring our schools on campus. And we're really running through the switch program with them so that they now are becoming much more of an important piece. Um, so we work with them. But really, those are the people that can be the ones that can help with the taste testing or the ones that can help with family funfair um, in terms of like, you know, health fairs and kickoff events and, you know, finale events of the program. And so they're going to be really our people on the ground in order to really help sustain and disseminate this program and really make it feasible for it to be running, but without leaving schools on their own, you know. So we really want to try and bridge that gap. And so as we continue to grow, we have to think about, you know, how do we sustain this and how can we make this so that it's, you know, um, not just a statewide program, but maybe maybe a multi-state program with several states buying in. Um, and again, the question of funding comes along, like how do we fund this? The USDA might just see, okay, well, you did a good job disseminating this grant. Um, we really don't see any reason to fund you anymore since you want to just keep going further. You know what I mean? So we have to think about new ways to like support our team, but ways that we can support schools and make sure that they get a really good experience too. So that's something we have to think about in the next couple of years is how we can keep this going and maybe have it become infused into a state health program or maybe become infused into active schools or, you know, so it's really hard when we have intervention, we don't want to let it die because it's something that we want schools to do on their own, but how do we keep showing its efficacy? So um, we're constantly trying to think of ways to do that. Right. And and thank you so much for sharing all that. I, I think there's a lot we can take from the program and especially this more of a holistic vision that it presents in tackling the whole school and not to mention the research that was done alongside of it not just implementing but doing the research and then looking at the research on the dissemination and the long in, long-term impact of these programs. So um, we really appreciate you coming on uh, to discuss this. I you know, we're, we're going to link a few papers and um, some some of the presentations that you've presented or the groups presented at Shape America about the SWITCH program. So in the podcast notes for those who are interested. Um, thanks again, uh, Gabby. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all we have for, uh, for you all on this one. And uh, thanks for listening.